Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the official tennis.com podcast featuring professional coach and community leader, Kamal Murray. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I am your host, Kamal Murray. And before we jump into the, the, the two guests for this week, let's look at what happened last week. We saw two big servers make their way to the final on clay, showing that they are developing their skills and rounding out their game. Big John Isner, Riley Opelka. Riley showing that he's continuing to improve and adding some versatility to the game, make it win the title on clay. In Charleston, we saw the return of the Charleston Open, the first time in two years. We saw an electrifying final between Belinda Benchik and Anj Jabor, who are our two guests for this week. Take a listen. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, Kamal Murray, and we are here with the legend, the handsiest woman on tour, the craftiest woman on tour, the Nick Kyrgios of the women's tour, Anj uh, Jabour. <laughs> Without oh, the throwing yeah. of the racket. Yeah, yeah, and, and the comments. <laughs> <laughs> you say I'm off court, though, just not on court. You know, you like. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so last year was a big year for you. I enjoyed watching you. I think the world was rooting for you at the end of the year to have you make the year in finals. Um, tell me how that year comes about, because I always say when you look at like people who emerge like that and they have such a great year, it's also built from the year before, right? Or it's also built from like one match that shows that you really had what it takes and it creates a lot of belief. So how did like the amazing year like that happen? I think uh, from all the years that I've been playing on tour and, and all the, the experience that I got from uh, uh, from you know the different different years, different matches. Uh, um, I think 2021 was uh, was amazing for me because uh, I was uh, playing a lot of good matches. I was winning, and um, you know I was enjoying a lot of myself on the court. Uh, I've won my first WTA title, so it's a year to remember for for me for my career. And um, I was hoping to, you know, qualify for the Masters, but uh, someone named Annette Kontavit stole the, <laughs> the, the spot for me. <laughs> that one match in Chicago, the finals in Chicago, if you had won that match, it would have put you way past Trust her. me, I've been saying for all the matches that I love, if I won that match, I would have qualified right. for <laughs> any match. <laughs> and also COVID, because COVID kind of took some, some tournaments off the calendar, especially towards the end of the year. And so, like, maybe one more tournament where you just needed one more match. So tell me what that was like. Because I've experienced that, like, watching the points, watching other players' results. And tennis is strange where you kind of need somebody to lose when you think about these points race for you to win. And there's a lot of money on the line at the year-end championship. Tell me, what, like, that process where you're, like, watching the results. Like, ooh, I wanted to win, but I don't really want to win. Miss it. Double. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was crazy, especially at the, uh, the end of the season. Uh, nobody was expecting Paula to win the Indian Wells, and and then that happened. You know, uh, Paula <laughs> was uh, in the race again, and from um, you know she was kind of a little bit far, but then she she came back again, and then I think it was between me and a few other players uh, at the end. Um, but honestly, Annette played really well in Moscow, in uh, in Romania, and uh, it, it was it was great tournaments for her. She she totally deserved that spot. Um, also, we don't forget that that Ash didn't play, so it was a kind of extra uh, chance for us to uh, to qualify and and, and to win. And uh, it was a great beat. I think it, I'm not gonna ruin it with the fact that I didn't <laughs> go to the Masters or anything, but. Uh, it happened for a reason, and uh, I'm really glad that I played really well uh, that, that, that season, you know. So when you have a, a good year like that, you end up, you know, making it far in a lot of tournaments. You end up playing a lot of matches. Yeah. Do you know how many matches you played last year? 48 or something. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> so, so how do you recover from that? Because it always is very tricky, not only the next year trying to defend, but also, like, trying to recover because more time on court, knick-knack injuries, fatigue, et cetera. So how, how was your offseason? How have you been able to bounce back? Well, the off season was not great, to be honest with you. I was uh, I was still struggling with the elbow injury that I had the the end of uh, last year, and uh, I got COVID, so everything was uh, was coming at the same time. But uh, I'm still trying to manage. Um, I, I got injured beginning of the season, also it didn't help much to uh, to kind of come back and defend the, the the points that I had from last year. But I mean, all good now. I'm, I'm feeling better. I am um, trying to combat as, as uh, stronger than, than last year. And I think, um, yeah, I need just uh, need to play more matches and, and be able to, uh, to kind of play better. So this is the time of year where you heat up because your game style, you've been in the fourth round of French Open four times. This is like where you start to make your move. But it's also Ramadan. So I was curious because you got to play matches. You got to like time the matches. You can't eat or you're not supposed to eat. So how does an athlete, right, who needs to eat for fuel, right, and to like, you know, maintain her profession, how do you balance competing like a week like this? Yeah. And then, I mean. Well, I don't know about other athletes. I know, um, um, we know the, the legend, Mo Salah, uh, does Ramadan, and uh, Sadio Mane also, he's, um, they, they all do it, but I mean, I don't know how they can. It, it's tough to, to run for 90 minutes everywhere and not be able to drink or do anything. But uh, personally, I, um, I pray to God and ask for permission to uh, give me a break for Ramadan. And uh, you know, later, uh, any day like after Ramadan, uh, I can uh, kind of pay back uh, what, I, uh, what I owe God, you know? <laughs> so uh, that's how I, I deal with it. Uh, I, I know it's tough, but um, I mean, my husband and my course, they, they do it. And uh, it's a great, I miss, I miss really spending Ramadan at home because it's a very special moment for us. And uh, uh, you know, part of being a professional tennis player, it, uh, it takes time away from, uh, uh, from home, from family. And uh, you know, I cannot wait to come back home and maybe have a few days of Ramadan is, will be perfect, you know? Uh, I would invite you really, it's, it's a great time. Uh, it, it's a different time, it's a different, let's say, culture. Uh, and uh, I really enjoy it, you know. I'm coming. So everybody heard that, that I'm coming and yes, when, I, when I land. You have to do Ramadan though. I'm, uh, I'm too skinny, I'm too skinny. Like me not eat all during okay, the day, I disappear. I already like, you know, y'all already call me like, other players like, you're like a cancer patient, you're so skinny. <laughs> you shouldn't shave your hair so close because you look even skinnier. Like I'm like trying to figure it out how I like pee, uh, plea, appease everybody so I don't okay. look so skinny. 
start wearing turtlenecks because my neck is skinny. I'm like, experiments. So I don't know if I can not eat for 12 hours. I, I might disappear. It depends on the country, though. But. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it about the clay, right? So you have great success. I mean, obviously, you know, you're a legend for winning Junior Wimbledon, right? So you can play on the grass, too. But the clay is like where you heat up. So tell us about this surface and why it's so special to you. Um, I think I love the sliding a lot. I love that the drop shot doesn't doesn't go high. It really stays low and it's good. And you know you can you can always um, uh, kind of disturb the players. Um, they don't know where they're going and the changing direction in on clay is really really tough. So yeah, making drop shot everywhere, make them run and, and visit all the corners of the court is fun for me and I like it. And um, I just love the dirt, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Get your hands dirty. So everybody on tour is famous for something, right? So Quang Wang is famous for like wearing full face of makeup when she goes to practice and play. That's definitely not me, okay. That's definitely not <laughs> you. But you're famous for being the best smelling player on tour, even after <laughs> the match. You gave me that title, man. <laughs> no, I, I made everyone aware of it. I was like, she just got done playing for two hours. Go walk past. They're like, oh damn, she smells so good. I'm like, after two hours, she still smells good. So give me like your favorite perfumes right now? There's no favorite perfume because I travel with uh, five or six perfumes at the same time. <laughs> it depends on my mood. It depends with the weather, you know? If it's hot, then I need the fresh perfume. If it's cold, then maybe a stronger one, you know? It's, you know, it, it really, it's something, <laughs> I know it's crazy about it. And I have a, a perfume, like a normal perfume, a, a body perfume, and a clothes perfume. <laughs> that's all why, at the same that's time. why I smell good. Oh, it's all, <laughs> all mixed together. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm a crazy lady perfume, let's say. Let's okay. put it that way. So when you won your title last year, which one were you wearing? That's the good luck perfume. I can't remember. I have so many. If, if I don't know, uh, Gucci want to sponsor me, I'm here. You know? I, I, let me tell you, this is the best smelling player on tour. Any perfume manufacturer that's listening, sign her up. Maybe I will have my own perfume, you know? Yeah, so maybe post-retirement, you come up with your own little concoction. Little no, little now, now, oh, now. So I can give you and then you can <laughs> help me promote it, you know? Anytime, girl, anytime. <laughs> with threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So, let's say that uh, if the Masters started to incorporate more mixed doubles, you know, Indian Wells, Miami, let's say mixed doubles became more of a thing, who would be your... Ideal doubles, your dream mixed doubles partner. Well, I mean, there is reality and there is <laughs> fiction here. You can't say Fed, Djokovic, and Nadal. <laughs> okay, Other than because because everyone is gonna say all the. Um, right, right. I'm gonna. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I I get along with the Titi Pass a lot. So um, I mean, we we say hi. We I know his team. I used to work with uh, his fitness coach before. So. Uh, uh, I don't know. He can maybe give me some tips about his hair. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, but yeah, we'll be the same mix double. I mean, I'm sorry, Maria, but I'm I'm stealing the Greek. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah, it's, it would be great to play with uh, Tsitsipas. Uh, I think you want me to play with Nick, yeah? I, f I feel it coming I, for some reason. I, I feel, <laughs> It's going to be trouble. That, that, was he need somebody to, like, tame him and calm him down? And I think you would be, like, just the person to, like, hey, bro, like, don't. You want to chuck your racket? This is how you chuck it without hitting somebody, right? Yeah, probably. Uh, uh, Pass, Maria Sakari, just... She's gonna steal him from you. Yeah, it's okay. She she will just for one week. <laughs> one week. One you can week. Give him back. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. We want to wish you luck for the rest of the year. Uh, we always root for you. I was like rooting for you in Chicago. I was like, timeout, injury, timeout, ref, rain. Let's stop this. Let's. <laughs> well, you know, everyone's favorite girl. Thank you. Um, rooting for you last year at the end of the year. But thank you for coming to join us. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, Kamal Murray, and we are here with the 2021-20 Tokyo Olympic gold medalist, Belinda Bencich. Thank you for having me. Hi. <laughs> How's it going? So I remember you coming up because you were like, you beat Taylor in what, junior Wimbledon? Yeah. And I was like, oh, that girl can play. She can move. It's like she doesn't like she's moving fast but she's cutting the court off, she's playing so low. And then I hear stories about your dad and like this ice skating and this unique training that like totally explains how you move so effortlessly. Tell us about that. Yeah, I definitely, I play different. I would say uh, it's a very unique technique. Um, and yeah, I mean, I learned this from very small with uh, Melanie Molitor and Martina Hines' mom and you know, she, taught me um, this technique and I think it works really well. I mean, everyone uh, who she taught it was a great player and great juniors and um, that's how I came a little bit into this. And I think it's, it's an advantage because I play different. People don't expect it at the start. Everyone's like, how is this working? You know, why? <laughs> like, and um, I think, yeah, it's been great. And now I'm just trying to perfect everything and um, trying to move like this on clay, which is a little bit of a challenge, but at least I have an advantage on grass court, definitely. Oh, 100%. On grass, it's like, oh my God, please don't let anybody play bench it that I'm coaching, <laughs> right? So, um, you know, one of the things I like to know is when the draw comes out, right? Obviously, there's people who are seeded, like, oh yeah, I'm a seed, I don't want to play this person. But there's also, like, women's tennis is so deep now yeah. that, like, everybody can play from, like, 50 to 125 there's good players who can have good days. Who's like the one person, like the draw comes out, you know she's on site, you know she's in the hotel, <laughs> and you're like, she's not seated, but you're like, please don't let me play this girl. <laughs> Who is that for you? Um, I mean, there's a few, and you know, I, I have the situations a lot. Usually, when I come to a tournament, I play the first person I, uh, the first person I see. <laughs> I mean, when I see someone in a hotel, like I just arrive, I see someone, I play that person. And sometimes you have a feeling like, okay, I'm gonna play this person. And the draw comes out, it's like this. But coming back to your question, I think it's Kaya Kanepi. I know maybe a lot of players said it uh, before me, but I think she's, she's the toughest first round draw and I think she knows it. <laughs> she's like always fit. She's always yeah. ready. Yeah. She hits a big ball. Sometimes yeah. you don't know where the ball's going. Sometimes she don't know where the ball's going. But if it goes in, you're like screwed, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, she definitely takes, takes it out of your hands. So you just have to pray before the match and she will decide if she's going to win or lose. So you're just uh, a spectator in your own match. <laughs> so I got another tricky one for you. Okay. Because like, you know, as a coach now, you always scout and you're like, wow, that girl's good. She's 115 in the world. 
Why is she 115? <laughs> Who's the best player you know outside of the top 100? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> that is a tricky one. And maybe they're like 85. Yeah. I mean, obviously the young ones, you know, like the young ones coming up. I think now Linda Frivirtova, she's uh, someone that, you know, plays a higher level than her ranking is, but she's still like up and coming. Um, That's a good one. Yeah. That's tricky. I think with Sloan played her first round in Guadalajara, it was like, this girl's 14. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was the younger yeah. sister. It was like, and then. Oh, the, yeah, Brent, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. as the older player, you're like, no one wants to lose to the baby. Yes, right? so yes. I mean, no one wants to lose to a young player. I mean, I, I knew it when I was like the younger player, but now I feel like I'm not the younger player anymore. And now the young ones are coming up and I'm in the situation where <laughs> it's the worst one, I would say. Um, but I'm thinking of a question. I mean, it must be someone that's really been injured or, you know, like trying to come back as well. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Linda's a good one, though. Yeah, yeah she, that's I think so, one. yeah. That, that's definitely. a good one outside of 100. Yeah. And she's getting wild cards now. It's like, oh my God, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta play the kid. Yeah, maybe I would say Anna Konyu. Like, she was coming back and she was outside of 100, but she made a run in Miami last year, and I think she was really dangerous playing outside of 100. Now, so for me, I always root for those kind of players because I want them to get seated. You know, you want like <laughs> Osaka to get back in the top 20 so she can be seated <laughs> and you don't play her, right? So Anna is one of those where it's like, yeah. okay, we need yes. her. We I need mean, her now to it's win. a lot. It's like Andrescu, Halep, Kennan. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you get a lot. I mean, the next slam for sure, there's going to be some blockbuster first round. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you've had the opportunity to travel and been on tour. Like you're like a veteran, even though you're still young. Yeah. You're like a veteran because you were so good, so young. I hear young. that a lot. <laughs> and your dad is like a very famous tennis dad, right? He has like this face and like everyone's afraid of him. <laughs> And now we don't see him as much. So I'm like, okay, is that a good sign or a bad sign? I'm like, so is, is he one of those dads now where he's like, when you see him, you know he's coming because he doesn't, he sees something he doesn't like. Or is he like, yeah, I'm just going to choose the luxurious tournaments right now. <laughs> no, I mean, I would definitely say he's much nicer than he looks. I mean, I, he has that face, but I think it's because he's really nervous in my matches. Okay and also before my matches and um, yeah, he had that focus faced on and he was like not, yeah, he was having his own like little rituals and everything, uh, superstitions. Um, but no, I mean, I was traveling with him since I'm like a little girl, you know, playing tournaments. So it's really been a lot and he's been there for all my career, you know, and now I'm like 25 and uh, yeah, I mean, I have a coach now. So he's definitely still involved in my kind of career. Mm -hmm but uh, traveling less for sure. And I think he doesn't mind. I mean, he also had to put a lot of energy into like my career and, and just sacrificing a lot with my mom. And yeah, so. So when we see him, is it like, uh-oh, the big man is here? <laughs> or is it like, oh no, he's just here to hang out for the week? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he will probably like come to tournaments like, but just as a spectator, I would say. Oh, and, yeah. and maybe with my mom. I mean, my mom definitely has a, a better or nicer look when she watches my tennis. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when I play, I look at her. <laughs> so you've traveled around the world to like almost every destination. What's your favorite place? And what's a place you're kind of like, eh, I don't really want to go back there. Mm -hmm. It's a tough question because it always depends on the city or the tournament. Sometimes you love a city, but you hate the tournament. Sometimes you <laughs> hate the city and you love a tournament. But my favorite city is New York. And I mean, I love the US Open as well, 
but my favorite slam is the Wimbledon. And I mean, obviously I have to say Indian Wells, but I think that's every player's answer. So it's kind of boring. <laughs> um, I really love Tokyo. Oh. Yeah, I mean, not just because of the Olympics, but that was my first tournament or a big tournament where I got a major wildcard. And that's the first time I made actually points to, and I played Kvitova in the second round. And I really love that it's so fast there. Like, mm. yeah, so. Basketball. I think Tokyo is my favorite tournament. So what was that like winning the gold medal? Because I always, people say playing Fed Cup is more stress than playing a Grand Slam, right? And so playing the Olympics representing your country to me would seem very similar to that. So what was it like to go and get the gold? Um, you know, I always have to say somehow when I wear the Swiss colors, the Swiss outfit, and I'm representing Switzerland, I somehow, like, it brrings the best out of me. I don't know, I've always you know, had the time of my life in FEDCA, really had great results. Um, first time meeting someone, just, you know, started off my career a little bit. And then I really enjoy it still. And then the Olympics and the Hopman Cup, and I always played well in those events. So I feel like I have to step it up in like tournaments where I play for myself. And then um, for me, I don't know, it's not stress. I just feel different when I go on the court. Like, yeah, I just feel like I'm representing the country. Like, I'm really proud to do that. And also in the Olympics, I was nervous, but like a different kind of nervous. Like, I knew, like, I'm going to step on this court and I'm going to be like an Olympian forever. Like, I've always dreamt of playing the Olympics. So it was different and I really, like, enjoyed it. I appreciated it. And I think that's the difference. <laughs> so when you, lay, when you land in the city, right, everyone has, like, their favorite food or, like, their favorite thing to do. Right. You drop your bags down. Yeah. You open up Uber Eats. Yes. What's like the first food you look for? Like, okay, I gotta find Italian or I gotta find Indian. Like, what is it for you? I'm trying to find Chipotle. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes. I mean, not, I mean, when I'm in the U.S. When I land in the U.S., this is the first meal I have and probably the last one when I go back. So uh, it's, my, it's my favorite. And somewhere else, I mean... It's tough to say always. I think the to-go food is Italian food everywhere you go. I feel it's fascinating. Every city you go, they have a great Italian restaurant. Mm. And you don't see that with other like cuisines so much. So you were young, right? And you made a great leap, right? I think you were like quarters of a slam at a very young age. And then, you know, injury here, whatever. But you were kind of like able to maintain your level. And now you see young players come out of nowhere win a slam mm -hmm. and maybe struggle emotionally or mentally or deal with the pressure what advice would you give to like a young player who like played a slam didn't expect this and then boom it happened and it's like holy shit, yeah what's like happening? oh yeah. yeah right um i think it's a very tricky question because i think when you come to the tour first the first year it's like the most amazing like you love everything this is like your dream coming true you have been watching all these players on tv now you're here now you're playing against them you see all those tournaments like you want to be on site non-stop you want to watch every match i mean this is how it felt for me and then after a few years you know you or not a few years but you know you do well and you start to feel a little bit the attention the pressure like the comments from people the comments from commentators or media um, the questions they ask you. Um, and then it gets to you a little bit. So you start to be like, oh, okay, now I have to play well. And like, not every week you can play well. And it's hard to accept it. And you always compare yourself with the player you were when you were like a careless junior player, just having the time of your life, like beating the pro players for the first time. 
Um, so it's a tough situation and I think there is no really like a magic something to say to you because I think everyone has to go through the same. So I think it's pretty normal, you know, if someone really makes it like amazing run but then they don't back up their results. I think it's really normal but I feel like when they've managed to I don't know, win a slam or play quarterfinals or semifinals or be top 10, then you can always come back to the level. Like I believe in that. If you played it once, you can come back. And I'm really happy with after the injuries, I kind of proved that to myself as well. Like if I play well, if I'm healthy and everything, I play this level and like I know it. So yeah, it's kind of, I mean, it's a grind, you know, you, you will never like win every tournament. Right. I'm just, <laughs> So I'm, I'm trying to get there in the Grand Slums. <laughs> so when you were injured, you had like time to be a civilian, right? Because yeah, like yeah. when you're a kid, you're grinding, you're trying to make it, you're on tour, you're traveling 32 weeks a year. Yeah. Then you get injured and you're kind of like, hmm. Yeah. The positive side about being injured is you get to like just be at home and go out to eat and go to the movies. So what was that like being a civilian for a little bit? It was really refreshing and I feel like I needed it maybe a little bit. And I feel like those injuries that happened to me happened for a reason um, because you know then I feel like on the tournaments and you are maybe unhappy I was not happy playing I felt the pressure and everything and then I feel like my body was like okay no like we have to end this so help me to get injured and to take a little bit of time off get home like be your, with your friends and just live like a little bit normal life but then you know I started miss tennis a lot and then I came back and I appreciated it much more so I feel like that changed my career so now I feel I'm really, I appreciate being on the tournaments, but I also know when to take time off and just like relax. So I'm not pushing that hard. So I feel like it's taught me a lesson. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So what's your limit now, right? Because now, you know, it's like, okay, six weeks on a row, and then I got to go home. Or um, three yeah. weeks. Th three tournaments in a row maximum. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's my, that's my limit. The best would be two, go back, train, two, go back, train. But sometimes it's not possible. Like, in it was Miami Charleston now. Um, Madrid, so, Rome, Paris. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Oh. I mean, I feel a little bit more for American players and Australian players. They have to come for a whole, like swing and they cannot just go back home that easily like I would say with European players it's a little bit easier mm -hmm. we just have I mean in it was Miami um, Charleston maybe and then Cincinnati or Montreal uh, Toronto Cincinnati US Open then you go home so I mean it's tricky everyone has to figure out but for me I need I need to go home yeah yeah <laughs> so two tournaments three at the most and benches going home yeah <laughs> Don't expect me to play more than right. that. <laughs> so last question. So let's just pretend that they brought mixed doubles to the 1000s. Oh, that would be cool. Who, A, would you play? Yeah. And B, who would be your ideal doubles partner? And you can't say Federer. <laughs> you can't say Rafa. You know? <laughs> and you can't say Djokovic. Okay. Um, I would definitely play. I think it's very fun. And also in the slams, I try to play now. I was playing a couple of times with Polasek. And he's oh. a great doubles player, obviously. So 
probably I would choose him to play. Um, or I mean, singles player, let's say singles player, singles player. None of the top three, right? None of the big three. Um, God, who's playing good? Oh, <laughs> oh Isner. 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 I would take Isner because finally I would have a good serve <laughs> on my side. <laughs> uh, yes. John Isner, there it is. If it, if it becomes a theme, Bench is just first in line. <laughs> You're like the second person to say that. Oh, yes? yes. Okay. He's Everybody very say, wanted. Jack Sock, Francis. Uh -huh. Curios. Yeah. <laughs> but you like straight, you know, organized, sane yeah, person. I mean, you like this, right? I want to play well, so I need to find a good partner. Well, thank you. This has been the Tennis.com podcast with Belinda Benches. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you.